Hey, um, listen, Peter, I- Hey, Crewman Joe, man, how you been? I'm, I'm okay, but I, I gotta talk to you, man. I, I'm, I feel like I've got a lot of pent-up energy I need to get out, some, some, some thoughts, you know? Mind if I kind of load on you a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I'm just doing uh, some repair work here, but uh, sure, pull up a chair. Have, have you gotten the impression that maybe this mission that we're on is, like, a terrible idea? What? I'm sorry. <laughs> Am I talking to Crewman Joe here or Hoshi? What's what's up with this uh, this doubting Thomas? Repeating? Of course it's important, man. We're like the first Starfleet ship out here in the shit, living the dream. Is is it a dream, though? I mean, our first mission was supposed to be like three days to go drop off that Klangon guy or whatever. And then they're like, OK, let's just go explore the galaxy. I I have kids, man. I, I, I have, I I have to... Hey, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, thanks, except I think they might have starved to death by now because I, I couldn't contact my aunt. <laughs> Listen, Joe, uh, what we're doing out here is, like, super important. I'm sure your aunt or whoever, that Starfleet would have, like, dispatched someone to go look after it. I know the decision to keep us out here in deep space, the deepest any Starfleet vessel's ever been, seemed kind of sudden, but, you know, we're, we're doing important important stuff right important stuff like that first contact we made where the first aliens we've ever met ever tried to suck out all of our life juices and then harvest our bones i think you're making it out a little bit more gruesome than it needed to be although i will say to be fair maybe getting involved with uh those space baddies was a poor idea before our guns worked but hey bridge got it all sorted out right you know? You mean the way that they sorted out that first away mission down to that planet where our first officer and second officer went crazy and started shooting at each other? We're not supposed to talk about that, but uh, yeah. Crazy planet, little, you know, and I thought it was just like San Francisco too. <laughs> Scratch that one off the shore, leave planet. Dude, Commander Tucker was literally impregnated by a lizard yesterday. Oh, you're talking about uh, how we decided to stop and help that cloaked ship that was uh, leeching power off of us without saying hello? Yeah, that seemed a little shady, but um, they gave us like some pretty sweet tech. We, we got a cloak now off that deal, right? We didn't get anything. Well, <laughs> you and I didn't. Tucker certainly did. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but no, seriously, dude, um, this might have been a terrible error. Listen, uh, that's not for you to decide or me to decide. If we're out here, that means that Starfleet Command has deemed that this is the best place for the first Warp 5 capable ship that Earth has produced. And it's my place to follow orders and it's your place to follow orders. So as long as Command from on high has come down to you and me, and I mean, certainly you saw the message from Admiral Forrest, right? Did you? No, but I was under the assumption I might have over... Um, we are, where's, we are supposed to be, uh, are we, are we AWOL? Breaking new barriers in the creation of life. It's V'ger, please. A heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. And I'm just a good old boy sharing a nice crystal hand bath with you. Peter. <laughs> it was such a seminal moment, you almost forgot your name. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was debating throwing a no homo in there, but... <laughs> <laughs> I need to keep as much sexual implication as possible for... Uh, for that one you might think the big news for today is that uh picard season two is out but we don't give a fuck about that we don't give a fuck about that we care about giving life to something truly great and that is our intro that 
all of you out there in radio land have probably listened to for three episodes by this point. But as of today, March 3rd, 2022, uh, we have finally gotten our hands on what will be the new V'ger Please Enterprise intro. And it is some hot shit. So big thanks to Ian and Sarah for putting that together for us. Absolutely. I could not have asked for something more purposefully shitty, yet absolutely perfect. When she described the energy in the room, and I don't know if it was a joke, but the idea of music being created under the pretense that you are recording it with a significant other and that you are actively in a fight with each other. (laughs) (laughs) That energy is there. Mm -hmm. It is there. And it, it, it translated perfectly. That's what I want out of any musical productions. We have anything to do from this point forward. That is that is the energy. That is the genre that I want to live in. Speaking of genres we want to live in. What did we watch this week? Season one, episode five, Unexpected. <laughs> okay, so this is one of those moments where us not being a visual podcast is a negative for everyone but me because I just saw the way you had to choke your own bile down after <laughs> after saying the name of the episode. Are, is that uh, is that belaying your attitude about is, this? Is this part of this wonderful um, TV show experience enterprise that you twisted my arm to watch reassuring me that this is great tv and just give it a chance i said season one was rough okay there are some naked nows out here and this is definitely considered probably bottom of the pile for enterprise overall really yeah really which i don't think it's that bad yeah i mean i was gonna say you're telling me that this is as bad as this show is gonna get i don't i don't buy that for a fucking minute here's what's bad all right Written by Rick Berman and Bran Braga. I'm tired of seeing these names. How many of these things did they bang out? Like, was that their promise to UPN or whatever? Like, hey, the executive team is going to white glove hand deliver you the finest Star Trek TV. And the showrunners are going to do this themselves to make sure it's the best of the best of the best. Or so we think, judging our own work. I think they do the first like seven episodes. Yeah. Like they do a lot of the, the front end of this season and they took the attitude of, you know, we're the ones that got to make sure this baby gets off to the right uh, start. They have not as of yet managed to really find their footing on this. I don't think though that they have put out any, super turkeys though like i liked broken bow i thought that was a pretty good opener i think it set the stage for what the show was going to be like pretty well effects were a little rough here and there you weren't as warm on it but i think it was still decent i think it stands up to something like caretaker pretty well Um, what a low bar you've you've set out there i mean joking aside it's not the worst star trek episode season one uh experience out there it wasn't great but Again, keep viewing it in that light of everybody's new at what they're doing in this show. I'll cut them some slack. Minus uh, the blatant sex stuff, which I don't think has really come up since to degree as what we saw in Broken Bow. And, you know, at this point, we've had season or I'm sorry, episode one for us hit the airwaves. So today's the first day we've actually had the new podcast out there for podcast land. And that's the same thing we're seeing from the people participating in the V'ger Police Trauma Support Group on Facebook, which you should all join and have fun with us unless you suck, at which point you should keep your bad attitude to yourself because it's a pretty keen group and we'd like to keep it that way. But we're seeing the same stuff, you know, the the shameless, sexy, greasy time, uh, which my dick certainly enjoyed. Uh, my brain was like, hey, this this shouldn't be here. This is Star Trek. It cheapens the deal. And and that's what we're seeing. I would say that if this was the extent of the sexiness, that would be different, right? Because the whole idea here is the Enterprise gets into a situation on accident that did not appear to be illegitimate, right? A trip didn't mean for this to happen. That's the comedy of it. That's the backdrop of all of it. That this was kind of accidental. It's not like he knew he was getting knocked up. Certainly he was not uh, playing the Riker rules for meeting new aliens and putting your dick in them. Before we move into the episode itself, though, I want to go ahead and highlight that we have an old friend involved in this by the name of Mike V'ger as our director. He is known to you and I through Voyager with some real good ones, man. Year of Hell Part 2, Latent Image, 
Barge of the Dead, which fucking sucked. No credit for that. But uh, Pathfinder. Sunate. He he did he did the WWE crossover, bro. Why you gotta look over that one? He's worked with big Hollywood talent like Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Flesh and Blood, The Void, Friendship One, Renaissance Mad. The last time we saw Mike Viger, he was going uh, weapons free with the T-1000 known as EMH. So it's been a minute since we've seen him, and I'm happy to have him back in. No real standout direction in this that I would say is like really indicative of him, but interesting uh, cold open. I thought the cold open was something that has been missing in Star Trek up to this point, and it makes sense that they start doing it now, and that is... Something goes wrong with the gravity system on a starship. Think about it. Think about all the episodes of TOS, all the episodes of TNG, all the episodes of DS9, all the episodes of Voyager that we all watched. The gravity plating has never failed. Right? You know why? Because it's an expensive thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a very expensive thing to do well. And unfortunately for this episode... They, they just stuck with the kind of expensive and didn't go for the real expensive. So when Archer's in the shower, uh, soaping himself up real nice. The- Once again, proving, by the way, that this is the uh, Star Trek show where the most amount of shirts are off. Because now we've got the captain with his shirt off. We've already had Trip with hers, his shirt off. We've already had uh, DePaul with her shirt off. May as well have been off. I can tell you which directions her nipples point under uh, different lighting circumstances. Scott Bakula is obviously probably 10 years older than most of the other people that are on this show. You know, it was pointed out to me that pre-Quantum Leap, he was in that football movie. What was it? Necessary Roughness? This was in 2001. He was born in 1954. So he was already 46, 47. When this is being shot, most of his co-workers are probably in their early 30s. So he's he's spent an extra time in the gym to be like, all right, I'm not going to be shameful with my shirt off. Archer starts floating around. He's he's wet. He touches the intercom button, which interesting that, you know, everything's so analog on the ship. All the doors need to be button pushed to open. All the comms need to be a button on the wall, which is very TOS appropriate, right? Yeah, it's giving that feel of a lower sense of technology. There's knobs and buttons, and it's not all digital like we are used to in the 24th century. It's not just one big Elkar's touchpad. So I like it. It definitely gives the whole ship that different feel. We said in the premiere, it's like feels like you're on actually a naval vessel, you know, like it's just like a submarine or something. And uh, I think that that helps give the show texture and in, in a way that it it wouldn't otherwise. It's a personality all of its own just by that design aesthetic choice. What we're gonna what is also before. quite choice here is the incredibly bad water CG <laughs> that's uh, floating around. Some of the I haven't seen CG that bad since Macroism. I would say that the CG of Macroism was a great deal better, and it was probably what four four or five years in the past from this. Yeah, this is like some real bad CD-ROM video game shit going on here, but they get it fixed soon enough. And uh, Archer's like slammed back down into the shower. And I'm just thinking like, God, what if this guy would have just slipped or banged his head on the wall on his way down? And like, that's the end of Captain Archer is slipping and dying in the shower. Like, that's not the most heroic thing. But uh, we're going to find out that if your Starfleet captain dies slipping in the shower, you take his body, you, you jet it out into space, you shoot it with a photon torpedo and you say he died tragically defending the ship or something and leave no evidence like you cannot let your captain go down in the books as like he died having had an oopsie in the shower what happened oh the gravity plating failed and it came back on and he was in the shower and yeah his it was really nasty his head hit the glass it cut his throat um i'm sorry i mean it was uh it was a sulak temporal war assassin what what are those guys called (laughs) sulaban Sulaban infiltrators, man. You can't see them. They crawl on the wall. Real ugly stuff. He he put up a hell of a fight, though. He killed the Sulaban, but we already shot that with a photon torpedo, too. Anyways, we need a new captain. <laughs> uh, act one is just the ship being kind of fucked up. Uh, they start at an awesome uh, hotel breakfast buffet that apparently everyone starts their day at here on Enterprise. Yeah, we're uh, we're picking right back up into Soup Trek. This is, I want to say, two for two on our our soup experiences. Uh, It's that same Vulcan broth that what's his nuts? Who doesn't matter anymore because he didn't end up dying, even though he was supposed to. Was his name Nemenchek? Oh, yeah. Nemenchek was making fun of Cutler 
Crewman Cutler having uh, tried it because she was the one that was trying to like get into Vulcan cuisine. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's the same soup. And uh, but there's like scrambled eggs and bacon and blueberry pancakes. This is like a banging buffet, man. It might not look like a holly or a, um, a Holiday Inn Express, but they're hooking you up like it is one. Yeah, and we mean that in a good way. Holiday and Express buffets are the shit. Unfortunately, speaking of shit, T'Pol goes to get some water and is instead greeted with a cup full of what appears to be poo-poo. And uh, we find out that whatever the problem is with the gravity plating has spread elsewhere. And I was kind of hoping that they would lean into, like, you know, between the gravity plating and the food systems and uh, I think the air conditioning broke somewhere. Oh, and our fucking torpedo guidance system being completely fucked. Like maybe not going back to Earth after our three day tour was a bad idea after all. But nobody wants to seem to connect those dots. <laughs> While everything is blowing up in the engine room, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And sure enough, on the bridge, they finally... Uh, come up with a solution which is there's something in our wake that's causing the plasma exhaust to bounce back on the ship and that's what's causing the disruptions but we can't see anything back there so why don't we you know light our own fart on fire exactly with one of our very shitty torpedoes that is not very good for actually attacking another starship but could be very good at lighting farts on fire and sure enough they do a little bit of playback enhance uh in in the in the spirit of blade runner and they see in fact that there's a cloaked ship in their wake which the fact that everybody's not shitting their pants and like jaw dropping over the existence of cloaking technology seems like a big miss i mean are they should they realistically be aware of cloaking somewhere else or should this be the big fucking deal that i would think it would be it could be that they know that it exists because they already have information on the Klingons that the Vulcans gave them and Klingons have cloaking devices. Do they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I think they even do in, in Enterprise. Yes. Because my by the end of this, like the inclusion of the Klingons towards the end uh, was really out of left field to me. And I was fully expecting this to be the moment because they're like, oh, you know give us technology we're gonna kill you i'm like oh fuck is archer responsible for the klingons getting this cloaking technology that will be the bane of starfleet for years to come and instead no they just they went right for the fuck tech (laughs) they had their priorities in line yeah good on them but if you're telling me that they already have cloaking devices and i guess yeah there'll be later on appearances of the klingons and their ships have cloaking devices already Hmm. so it could be that this is something they were briefed on of like, yeah, their ships are way better than yours and also can be invisible. So don't make them mad. They get the backlit ship. They go, OK, well, we know these guys are here. No red alert or anything. Just uh, OK. Hey, we're night. Well, I don't know what's naive or turning on the red alert or just assuming that these guys stalking you are no big deal. But they go, hey, you know, back up a little bit. Let's say hello. Real friends. I'll smile. And the ship comes back through the Universal Translator, which I still think is a uh, novel and cute and fun that it has to like compute and like refine the process, right? Yeah, it has to figure out how their syntax works so it can communicate. Well, what they communicate is, hey, our bad, please don't fuck us up. <laughs> they show their belly immediately. Mm-hmm. They're like, please don't <laughs> hurt us. <laughs> Captain Chicote over there. <laughs> And they start to have a conversation where they explain their engines all super fucked up and they were basically riding in the wake of Enterprise to recharge their their terraphasic coils. They never explain what this tech is, of course. Who cares, right? Mm-hmm. It's their it's their unobtainium crap and they decided to to ride the NXO1's ass to recharge it. And so Archer, trying to be a helpful human Starfleet captain, says, Well, why don't we why don't we I sit over my guy? He can, he can he can fix it for you. My one fucking guy. Hey, cloaked, potentially hostile ship. You know, um, I don't know if anybody on the ship remembers a couple weeks ago when we went and fucked with that like spider trap where they were juicing those guys and then we blew it up and then the ship showed up and we got them fucked up too. We're out here making I I sure hope this other cloaked ship in our wake isn't like those dudes. Not even a mention of danger right they're not like 
captain yeah. what if they're what if they're unfriendly and there's not like a line from Tapal of like we have the you know information on this race on record they are known to be pacifists they not, went down not 10 to... seconds to establish that they're not going to try and suck their juices out they well <laughs> worried about putting their juices in clearly <laughs> i mean who do right <laughs> they went down to the empty planet of southern california with a suitcase full of guns <laughs> <laughs> here's the cloaked ship wheezing our juice and we're gonna send our chief engineer and second in command solo on this fucking thing like what is everybody else on the ship doing that is so uh time consuming and important that they can't maybe put two people over there i really like that Part of the reason only one person goes, though, is that it takes three hours to, like, acclimate to their atmosphere and go through the, like, decompression process. The, the idea that going from a starship to another starship is actually not super easy and requires effort is something totally missed in modern Trek, right? Like, you just transport over, you're here, you're there, you're everywhere. There's, like, one episode of TNG where you have to, like, they made a pool for, like, one species or something. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's usually not a thing. And they actually made it a big plot point in this, which I thought was neat. It was really neat. And, again, it's all the more reason that why wouldn't you send over multiple people to get this shit done as soon as possible? Well, whatever. Uh, you know, that's the choice they made. They send them over. It's a three hour repressor repressurization. Uh, before we see the aliens, they do a really good job of creating the unknown. Um, the, the yeah, you don't see them. There's no visual contact. They seem real standoffish at first. Limited communication. Trip's kind of freaking out a little bit. Nobody on the ship on Enterprise cares. He's just been three hours in a claustrophobic area. He's kind of panicking because it involves inhaling a bunch of gas. Uh, it, it, he's got a headache. He keeps calling back over and over and over again. And, and Archer is getting more and more tired of his shit. <laughs> like, just just be a man and sit down for three hours. You're, you're a space like adventurer, dude. Sometimes you got to do shit that's uncomfortable. I don't like this captain. You know, I think it's going to make me go crazy. I don't think it's fair that... I would have to be put on alien surfaces that are going to make me go crazy multiple times a month per paycheck. Even maybe I don't know how long it's been. I'm not looking at the star dates yet, uh, but they let them over and we get treated to. Oh, yeah. They also start flooding it with like smoke machine effect. Ooh, uh, that smoke machine becomes very important because that is going to try and block what is one of the worst alien vessel sets I've ever seen. This looks like they moved him over to the USS Spencer Gifts. It's the cheapest I've ever seen. It's season one to TNG alien set, but they went to the Christmas store to get like the green foam that you can to do like that sparkly green foam that you can make like really detailed Christmas decorations with and put it all over the walls. And those walls are like real groovy 60s, psychedelic, swoopy cut high school theater set pieces. The, and the set like, of the Thaw looked better than this. Like the Juggalo Tech, you know, Nightmare Cirque Soleil room, which was pretty basic. It didn't distract you from what was happening. At least in the Thaw, it's an artificial construct. You can say this looks crappy but it's appropriate to the genre this being a lived in organic ship uh man what a fucking botch on that one and interestingly memory alpha which is already dropped off substantially as far as what they're willing to discuss um no real uh insight as to that but anyways take our word for it the ship looks like complete fucking trash i can and see what they were going for i really can like trying to make it an, a bio ship organic you know these are people with much more of like a natural kind of orientation to them i get it i do they just didn't pull the look off it just looked way too cheap and that's a shame too like she's eating stuff off the wall we're supposed to believe that the obvious green carpeting is in fact real grass so it's it's a it's the most alien of alien environments without being underwater soupy species eight four seven two shit. Uh, cool, whatever. But Trip not having a good time. They're like, hey, you should uh, go take a nap. And he's like, nah, 
Well, they he finally does encounter the aliens he's there to help. And they are, in fact, reptile people. That is the best way, I think, to describe them. They have kind of reptilian-looking eyes. They they don't do emoting with their face at all, okay, on purpose. And there's actually a plot reason that's implied, but they don't go too much into it. It's because apparently their emotional states are read primarily through color changing in their skin and that they they read into emotion by being able to take that that visual cue so that you you'll see particularly with like the captain he just shows zero emotion all the time on his face he just stares blankly all the time and she tries to do that a lot although it's a little it's not as successful because she's got to do the romantic role eventually and like her voice kind of carries more emotion but I thought that was neat that they tried to like make them kind of move in a sort of like in a very specific way and not have a lot of like facial emoting happening and using the makeup to hide it. So the she that you are referring to is Alan, I believe. Alan. Yeah. Who you and I would better know as uh, Neelix's wife. Is in that's is actually the wife of. Uh, Ethan Phillips or no, she plays the uh, Talaxian. Uh, oh, Dexa. Mother. Yes. Dexa. Yes. Convin- the milf, the Talaxian milf. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the warmongering milf that convinces um, Neelix to hang up the old com badge and set up shop at the last Talaxian truck stop. So fun reuse for her. And uh, she's like, I don't know, the chief engineer, maybe. And she's like, hey, you know, you should you should take a nap because this is rough. And he's like, no, but she's like, but but really, no, let's (laughs) I'm for all intents and purposes, high as fuck with a headache. I've been stuck in that decompression chamber, just huffing gold spray paint out of a bag. (laughs) Hey, show me your warp engine. Well, it turns out it's it's a terrible idea. He has a bad headache. He's about to pass out. He starts whining to his captain again. And Archer is like, he literally says, Trip, go take a fucking nap. Just do what these people are telling you. They're saying you should take a nap, take a nap. And they really are trying to sell that it's sinister, which I think is neat. You think like something bad's going to happen. And then it turns out they're right. You just need to take a nap. He just yeah. wakes up and he's fine. Well, His it, bed is like a hole in the wall. There's a wall that's like three inches deep and it's got a little cutout and he's sleeping in it like he's Peter Pan up in a tree. And he wakes up and all of a sudden all the goofy camera effects and everything's done. Um, their warp engine, by the way, is like, I don't know, a bunch of Christmas lights and HVAC tubing. And yeah. they're on these mechanic roller benches underneath it. And I'm just like, man, I don't know if I'd let this guy who is tripping balls and sick as fuck <laughs> anywhere near my warp engine with his little plasma. Malfunctioning warp engine. Yeah. Yeah. This could have been real ugly real quick. But the, the buildup of the sinister like nature of it. And then it pays off of actually these guys are super nice and it was all just trip being paranoid. I thought that was like, it kind of defied the trope, right? It gave it, def- it made you think that something bad was going to happen because, you know, we just had the space vampires, but then no, these guys are actually pretty chill. I also want to say that uh, what a great candidate for the most likely to cause an epilepsy award. <laughs> oh, Yes. God, that was disorienting for me just to watch on the TV. Yeah, the, it was I, uncomfortable. I take that back. Mike Veger is kind of a dick. <laughs> well, well, Trip wakes up and he is then hand fed water and little like gel caps by his new friend. And we get a very clear sense of what this is going to be about. Mm-hmm. They, they, they go, this is this is as close to water as we could manufacture. Why didn't he just bring his own food with him? They got rations and stuff. Like, wow, what a great we're going to send you over there alone. You're going to be sleeping overnight for maybe what was this turn out to be three days. You don't get Correct. to bring any food, no guns. Uh, I don't even get me started on what's going on with like the exchange of waste products. Like, what if these lizards only poop once every month or that's like a little pellet and his size coming over there for like <laughs> ready to drop major heat? Commander Tucker, we cannot handle the size of your bowels. <laughs> What is this fluid on everything? Is this your water? Well, it used to be water. Um, What is doing the translating here? You know, we've said with uh, 24th century, the com badge has a component. That's why it's out on the shirt being worn. 
Um, you've got extremely archaic comparatively technology here. Are we to believe the handheld communicator? Which I want to say the communicators in uh, Enterprise look pretty dope. I really like them. Yeah, again, the, the the sort of tactile analog nature of things helps in the props department because now you can make things that have a little bit more going on, mm-hmm. a little bit more solid. Like the, the you know, the original uh, plasma pistol they were using looked great too. Yeah, it did. Uh, the, I think that was actually just a plot hole. Uh, they, it, they, there is no mobile universal translator until the end of Enterprise, period. So they do the universal translator thing on the ship, and then I think they kind of forgot that like when Trip went over there, he wouldn't be able to understand them. <laughs> and that's legitimately just a plot hole. Because it's they'll call out later when the universal like the mobile universal translator gets invented. <laughs> what if the universal translator they decided had to look like that Spock helmet. Oh yeah. The like from Spock's brain or whatever. Yeah. With the big uh, alarm on the top. Oh, then isn't that like what it was for Star Trek beyond the JJ verse movie, which wasn't made by him. It was made by the fast and the furious guy. And it was actually pretty good. Mm, I don't know. God, I have to rewatch that. That movie's actually pretty good. Star Trek. I don't know if you've seen it. I saw it. I don't remember what the, whatever the, the, universal translator gag wasn't it uh anyway so that was a big question for me i didn't know if these uh creatures whatever race they turn out to be were or not but uh she starts feeding them these ice cubes and we find out that whatever is going on with this alien race on this spencer's gifts spaceship that they seem to be on has the spencer gifts electricity ball effect when she goes to like feed him it's like sparks are flying between them literally yeah, little uh, little subtlety subtlety. The show does not possess. <laughs> yeah, little massaging bolts of force lightning straight from Palpatine's fingertips to his lips, uh, and they go, "Oh, that's cool." I, I wonder if if things are going to get sensual, which surprisingly they don't really. Despite what actually happens, uh, they go, "Hey, let's take another crack at that engine. Bring those jelly ice cubes with you because this is gonna this is gonna be go time." So. They get the engine back up and, and running. Trip's having a much better time now. He's like t- calling back to Mayweather and telling them all like what it's like. You know, it's like they got a freshly mowed lawn in here. They take just food off the walls, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's 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 feeling it now. You know, he's come all the way around. They they fix the thing up. And before he bounces, because they're like waiting for the system to reboot or whatever, uh, that is when Alan decides to take him on a magic boat ride. I he's having that conversation with Mayweather, and I hear like one of the worst lines, like, "Oh, do you think he's going to be able to do it?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm sure he'll have that engine up and running like a well-oiled machine." Like, it is a well. You can't. That's not how metaphors. What? <laughs> Who's writing this guy's lines? I feel sorry. I don't know for the actor, uh, or or what's going on, but that character is just on the wrong foot every scene I seem to see him in. He's not a good actor. I, I'm sorry to just put it that way. He is a nice guy. You know, he seems good like a looking guy nice, too. I mean, dude, wait until he takes his shirt off. Impressive. But he is not a good actor. He just doesn't know how to emote. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the script's not doing him any favors. But no, he's not getting any help there either, but he is just not good. He's just not good. He's a, he's a plank of wood. He's a charming plank of wood. So they got to charge up the doodads, and it's going to take a minute. And she goes, hey, I want to show you something. Come on into the ugliest, most trashy rainbow sticker star set ever. And I was like, what is this new headache room that you've discovered? Uh, and it is, in fact, the world's first holodeck. So this is apparently very novel technology when it comes to uh, 22nd century Earth, because uh, Trip is surprised he can walk around it and his perspective changes, which means apparently they forgot how to make an Oculus Quest 2, because even that, like when you move around physically, your perspective changes. And, you know, how would they know that, you know, there would be VR tech then? So I'll, you got to give it a pass, but... I'm pretty uh, sure uh, Lawnmower Man. God, when did Virtuosity come out? 95. 
Yeah, they know goddamn well what virtual reality is back then, all right? But I did like, like, Tripp's honest, like, fascination with it. And he's talking about it, and he's kind of into it. And then, you know, he's on the boat, he's asking questions. And he's being flirty with this alien lady. And there is that vibe of, like, is Tucker going to Bone Town? Is he going to fucking do the thing? Because he's Space Florida, man. He's. I, I like that he's an engineer. I, I like the engineer science guys in the past couple Star Trek uh, TV shows being not. I don't even know what a traditional engineer would look like uh, in, in Trek. But, you know, they, they really made Balana an outlier and that she was this nerdy half Klingon. And now you got Florida man who is not doing any of the Florida man stuff you would expect her. He is being a gentleman and, you know, whatever flirtiness he might have is extremely subdued compared to the stuff you'd see out of uh, a lot of the other male characters of recent Berman history here. I was kind of expecting him to, again, go back to that cloak thing and be like, wow, this holodeck thing is, is really crazy. You guys are great with bending light. Hey, about that super crazy, great weapon cloak thing. And we, we have, have no... <laughs> No diplomatic ties or um, alliances that would prevent us from acquiring. You, look, listen, we have an incompetent British man as the dude who is in charge of our weapons. He can't even shoot our terrible torpedoes straight. We need to be invisible. Help a brother out. <laughs> I'm like, fixing your goddamn engine here. The least you could do is give us a badass cloak. But no, uh, she gets him on the rowboat and there's a little bit of little bit of chemistry and she goes hey i got a fun game i want to play with you and he's like oh what's that and she's like oh um you know non-consensual telepathic probing by milton bradley and he's like <laughs> oh my cool, favorite play. <laughs> i'm i'm the race car <laughs> <laughs> so uh the holodeck which we love talking about what's real what's what's uh what's uh replicated what's just photons and this is like uh you know what I think we're going to have to believe to be the beginning of Federation holodeck technology. Cause it's where they, you know, realign photonic energy, right? Yeah. The same, it seems to have the same technological basis as 24th century holodecks it's because th they're using photons to create what appears to be matter, which is essentially what the holodeck is doing. So she, so she summons up a big bowl of crushed ice and goes, Hey, put your hands in. And he goes, okay, why wouldn't I? They put their hands in. She like flirts with him to do it. You know, like it takes both hands to play. You know, like they little, little, little sexy nudge and they're reading each other's minds, you know, and he's like, you find me attractive. And she says, you like it when people find you attractive and you think this is going to be the moment. And then she's like, he's like, oh, you know, your favorite colors, turquoise. And she goes, cool your ship's uh you know shield control and the nuclear arm <laughs> codes are five three nine two also here's earth's location cool we don't need you anymore goodbye like lots of bit as soon as you find out the aliens you know nothing about are reading your mind and you're trapped on this ship like but no this this isn't a scary trek this is happy nice safe trek and they leave it there to i think the trope break here is he doesn't like plant one on her they don't they don't get busy they get back to work he gets off the ship he's telling mayweather all about it you know hey you know they're they're a, they're a reptiles but otherwise they look like us i met this one in a skin tight outfit he was actually pretty rad uh got them fixed it was really cool i did some cool space guy stuff i love it and it's funny because it comes up later in the discussion you know when they start making accusations that hey trip what did you do he says, you know, the second I set foot on that, I was in diplomat mode. Again, it's crazy to me that there is no ambassador from Earth or a diplomat from whatever the government of Earth is and that they are putting all the eggs in the basket of a starship captain who what's his background? Basically, engineering, basically, aerospace. Yeah. yeah, ship design like. If I there are no starship captains, though, like what is a starship captain at this stage? Like no one's ever been in deep space before. Sure. But you mean, what is a politician? I certainly know they know what those are. If there's any character missing here, if there's any character that needs to be swapped out, it is somebody to bring in that Earth diplomat who 
put, put make them to be the person at odds. You know, all the shit that they and racism that they have towards Vulcans, like make it like, you know, this can't be about politics. This needs to be about her. I don't know. Uh, if, if I were to rewrite the show at this point, that would be the first thing I change is put put that slimy politician or something in there to explore these concepts of first contact and this and that. I think the reason they didn't, and I think it was smart that they didn't, was because they were trying to demonstrate the that Archer had to set the rules of what a Starfleet captain would have to be prepared to do by experiencing things and learning the hard way. That's like the the... The, the through line that you can even see this early in the show, right? Is that mm-hmm. they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. And then Archer comes back with all these experiences and say, a starship captain has to be an able, uh, you know, administrator, uh, battle commander, diplomats, and Jack of all trades on the vessel that he is the master of like that. The, you can come from a number of different backgrounds, but these are the things that you have to be prepared to do. Like, I get that that's the story they're going for. And I'm, I think it might've crowded things out too much. If you had like that nagging political element, because it would also add a little, I think too much like IRL texture to Galactica. it. Yeah. It was Galactica out at this point or is that not still yet? Still two, uh, two years away at this stage. I think 2003 series came out reaching for there is that intersection of civilian politics and government with uh, military doctrine. Uh, but anyways, he does not mention to them anything about the uh, bowl of crystal meth game. He goes back to the ship and is talking with Reed about the holodeck to which Reed immediately says, man, if we got that, we'd only use it for fucking. <laughs> like, if we had one, I don't know what used for. And then he turns to the camera and does a big wink. Like if this wasn't the most self-aware moment of any Star Trek show. <laughs> ever he he gets the tom paris fuck some holograms award but is at this time that trip realizes he's got a weird little rash on his wrist and he concludes he might have been allergic to something you should go see flocks yeah so they're they're sitting there at dinner and <laughs> it's funny because i'm like all right is the episode gonna be over like when are they gonna really introduce what happens here real quick so he's eaten at the table did he put soy sauce on eggs yeah, I think he did. Ew. Uh, ew, one. Because I, I, it's like, is that a thing people do? I don't know. I, I guess maybe, was it supposed to be ketchup? Because that would be more it like was not a, ketchup. I mean, that was clearly like soy sauce. I don't know. Maybe that's like a fun thing that these guys do where uh, Voyager cast members used to, you know, just fart the hell out of the room and make people huff for farts. Like these guys, anytime they're around food, just put silly condiments on things. He He has a line. And, uh, you know, this is going to uh, illustrate the fact that he is in a heightened sense of you know, he's pregnant. Things taste more vivid. His senses are off. He goes, hey, did you try the eggs? They taste real today. Are these guys eating replicated food? First and foremost, apparently scrambled eggs with soy sauce is a thing. Get the fuck out of here. What? Yeah. yeah Where? Yeah. Where? Yeah. You just season it with soy sauce instead of salt. Is this like an Asian thing? It's an Asian thing. I mean, I, OK, well. I buy that. Okay, sure. okay, Florida man, you're how worldly of you. <laughs> he has he lives in San Francisco. I mean, soy on. sauce on eggs. Wow. Yeah. And then second, the interesting you bring that up. So, Enterprise has a chef, an unseen character, the chef, who was so well regarded, uh, he was poached by Archer himself to be the chef for his ship. And the thing is that the chef is good at, and his kitchen staff is particularly good at, is that they do what is called po- protein resequencing, which is a proto form of matter uh, reassignment. So it, we don't have the replicator yet, but what they do is they have basically stock protein that he can reformat into other kinds of protein and then try to turn it into the food that you know. Is this uh, bullshit after the fact retconning or is this stuff that was like info out there when the show came out initially? They, we will talk about it a little bit more and more as the show goes on and kind of fill out those details. So this isn't like all like after the fact. But yes, I, the protein resequencing is what it's called. And it is why like you'll see that they will have these fantastic meals because they have this master chef who is is able to spin straw into gold. Did you look at the cutaway video I posted? 
for the no, Enterprise. No, I missed it. It's real good. Go take a look at it. this 3D modeler has like built out all the decks of the Enterprise based on um, blueprints and uh, technical manuals. And there's like a big chunk of one of the decks is food prep. And if this isn't all bullshit that you're talking about, this protein resequencing, as if this is something that has any ties to TOS, it would make sense as to why so much of the Enterprise um, one a uh, had these the, the massive floor space dedicated. Oh, to I see what you mean. It's like like water tanks. Food, no, no, you know, no. Like this all... is like it looks like a, a a huge workshop. Take a look at it when you get a minute. It, it's it's worth the watch, certainly. Uh, but yeah, hey, you know, uh, my my wrist is itchy. Look at this. I wonder what could it could be. And I was really expecting to be like, ah, don't worry about it. I'm sure it's no big deal. But uh, they're like, mm, yeah, off to flocks we go. <laughs> I already had my run in with crazy bad spaceship once i don't want to fall in that pit hole again when they go to flax he uh gives him a skinny little scanneroo it says uh hey did you fuck an alien while you were over there he's like uh no he said uh are you sure <laughs> and he said yeah and that's and- when we found out that uh he got slipped a space roofie and he's got apparently an alien embryo like a chest burster <laughs> like right there in his abdomen and uh, clearly alien movie franchise does not exist in star trek because there is zero concerns like about how that baby's supposed to get out and if it's going to uh, involve explosions in the in the in the the sternum but uh yeah he is informed he is pregnant (laughs) and the rest of this episode the highlight to me is that they made a point of having the dialogue go down while Archer is present and his primary action is to just not laugh. Right? Like Archer's main task for the rest of this episode is to not laugh at his friend and fail. And I love that he is just thinks this is hilarious that this is happening to trip. After they establish what's going on and that ultimately this is just more embarrassing and inconvenient than unsafe. He is dying. Yeah. Like once they know it's not life threatening, he's just dying every time he's like confronted with the the reality of his best friend and second officer being a hormonal pregnant man. What if the crew of the Nostromo (laughs) treated their situation with the same degree of mirth and lightheartedness that enterprise is treating this parasite that he just got saddled with. And, you know, okay, the rest of the episodes garbage and stupid for, for all the reasons you just gave it becomes, yeah, it's all, it's all pregnancy jokes from this point forward. And they start with, you know, establishing what happened. And he's like, no, I really didn't fucking alien guys. I'm serious. I'm not lying. I didn't Florida man it up. I actually minded my P's and Q's. We just played this weird, you know, we played uh, Milton Bradley's uh, non-consensual mind reading, you know. <laughs> I was the race car. put both my hands in. I'm like, Flox is like, yep, that did it. That made you pregnant. <laughs> like, what? He, I, I feel like, too, that he said, how could, it wasn't even a real thing. It was holograms. holograms. Right. And you're like, no, man, you're just real fertile. Um <laughs> We've, we've, we've played uh, just the crystal meth tip. The one joke I thought that does land. Well, first of all, he's like, all right, everybody keep this, you know, between us. And it's Phlox, Archer and Paul's there. And to Paul is like, you were over there for three days and you couldn't keep your pants on. She is so like, I love how like just that sort of smirk is on her face of like, I'm so glad something terrible is happening to you. I shot you last episode. I do not like you. That or maybe she's jealous and she's like, you know, I've had a thing for you ever since you smeared uh, fucking molasses all over my abs. And and now you've hurt my feelings that you've gotten pregnant by another alien. So he starts, you know, wearing untucked shirts, trying to hide it, this and that. He catches himself that he's having um, emotional mood swings in the most legitimate of circumstances. He's on some little elevator and he's like, hey, this safety railing sucks. It's. You know, it's it's not going to help anybody who's small. And look at this. If you go up and you're holding on to the safety railing, the floor plate above us is going to cut all of your fucking fingers off. And then the dipshit he's complaining to is like, well, who would grab the railing while the elevator is going up? And it's like everybody. Everybody. 
Yeah, that's actually a bad OSHA violation right there. He's totally right. What kind of UAC Helltech elevator is this? The, the, the finger chopper, the USS finger chopper. Oh, I I see here you're missing the first three fingers on your hand. I assume you did a tour on the Enterprise. Yeah, she got me. Old finger biter. <laughs> that's why they call it the NX-01. By the end, you're only going to have one finger on each hand and it's your thumb. I, I got to say, though, man, like, Freaking Connor Trenier is a trooper. He can do whatever he is asked to do on this show. He starts out as being the Southern gentleman. And then this sh- this episode wraps up with him having like a hormonal meltdown at dinner with the captain and the doctor, you know, like asking for more food. And he's just like selling the whole thing. And it's really funny. Like he is every scene he is in in every episode so far has been maximum effort. And he's the best part of the show. Yeah, even in a turd like this, this could have been uh, if this was uh, this was Neelix and Tom Paris doing like their jealous boyfriend routine. Well, it would have been it would have been unbearable. But no, he is such a charmer of an actor that it it, he pays it off enough that you can just kind of get through the crappy parts. I think if it was Tom or Neelix, it still would have been enjoyable because those are good actors who can have fun with scenes, especially uh, Neelix. But, you know, if you get a Garrett Wong in here, it this would have been hell to watch start to finish. So, yeah, certainly getting a charming person in there. But I don't know, man. This is the fifth episode of your new TV show. Oh, it's, it's not good. This episode is not good. It's appropriate that, hey, we are encountering weird shit and weird shit's happening. And instead of it being horrific, chest burster, uh, science fiction horror, we're making it. Um, what was the fucking uh, Schwarzenegger movie where he gets junior pre- junior? Yeah, well, this is junior in space. Great fucking premise there, Bran. Good job, Rick Berman. I, I uh, don't mind. I don't mind them deciding to do something that's a bit of a goof, you know. Like, yeah, but again, they, you're trying to keep eyeballs on the screen. This is the fifth fucking episode you're showing people. Is this your best play this early in when when the ratings are critical, especially after the problems you had keeping eyeballs on screen with Voyager? Yeah, it's just too early. It's too early to have fun. You got to establish your premise more. Like, you know, the 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 pilot did a good job of setting the table overall. And then what did they do? They did an episode that was focused on Hoshi not wanting to be there. Uh, and it's an odd choice, but we didn't really see much of her in the pilot. And okay. also, these vampires were a dope back setting. I mean, that that was a... I would Was that the best episode we've seen so far? I still think the pilot was a little bit better personally, but I think God, that man, was your favorite. fucking pilot. <laughs> I liked it. I think it, like, as a pilot, like, it might be the best Star Trek pilot. I really do. Like all of the other pilots are pretty bad. <laughs> like that one was actually okay. It makes it the best one. That doesn't mean it was a good episode. And, and for if we're talking normal episodes, Crazy Island, or I'm sorry, uh, Crazy San Fran, Crazy Southern California Planet. Yeah, Strange New Worlds. Good, uh, good acting on a limited budget. When we were just doing that small closed room drama. Um, the Hoshi thing with the vampire ship of suck bags. Uh, that that was good. Moving in with this. This needed to be like a Reed Mayweather episode. Like we didn't get any of them yet, right? Like we got Hoshi and Flox. We got T'Pol and Trip, But we haven't gotten Mayweather and Reed. They haven't established them at all. And so why are they going back to doing Trip? They just did Trip. That's what I don't understand. Because Trip's good. Yeah, I guess like you realize he's your best actor, so let's just fucking use him. And maybe maybe that that was their play. Like they still wanted to capture a segment of the audience that was uh, female and having, hey, look, the guy's pregnant for a change uh, may have been a bid to, to keep those types of Voyager eyeballs still. On. You know, if you guys have not listened to our back catalog somehow and you're just coming in fresh on this enterprise, uh, I apologize for all the Voyager talk that we have. But, you know, I just put three fucking years of my life into <laughs> for dissecting <laughs> that tv show under a microscope so uh it, it's relevant and it must be discussed uh the episode goes down from here so they hey what are we going to do with the baby you might get locked into being uh, uh a starfleet the world's first starfleet alien hybrid parent uh you know i didn't put i didn't work my ass off 
to become the chief engineer of this ship to get saddled with a uh, single parenting. I thought that was a real interesting examination of uh, a real thing that happens to people in the military. But hey, wouldn't you know it? Uh, lucky for us, we were able to track down the warp signature of that ship and we're going to roll up on it. And it is not at all what anybody was expecting. Yeah, it turns out they decided because their engine failed again to uh, hitch uh, onto the wake of a Klingon battle cruiser, <laughs> which, uh, oh boy, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe we shouldn't mess with this. But, you know, Archer's like, no, you know what? I'm going to bail my friend out of this little oopsie. I'm going to go ahead and stick my dick a little bit into that shark infested water and see if it gets nipped on. And it does. It gets nipped on immediately. They, Why wouldn't they, they just hail the lizard people? I think that they wanted to not. I think the the what they didn't say, but what was implied was if we don't talk to the Klingons first, the Klingons are going to take umbrage and then they're definitely going to kill us all. So we we should talk to them first and directly because it's the only way to get us all through this without, you know, everyone getting murdered. The scene that comes after this is the worst in the episode I felt. And uh, it's a feeling I felt multiple times now i don't like archer talking on the bridge to people somewhere else i didn't really care for him talking to trip down on the surface uh him talking to this klingon commander in the most asinine conversation there's something about scott bacula talking to someone else on the phone that i do not enjoy at all i said earlier that i'm not a fan of scott bacula in this role and i think it's just that he is treating everything he's doing too glibly. You would think that if Archer was, you know, the character I think they intended, he would be treating every decision with a lot of gravity, right? Like, okay, we got to get through the situation. I got to talk to the Klingons. We're going to talk through this, you know, like he would, he would be treating with the seriousness rather than being annoyed at the Klingons for shooting at him. Like, why are you doing this? What's wrong with you? He's got that attitude. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Like, we're, we're being cool. Be cool. And he was like, you wouldn't be doing this in this situation. It's just. It feels like he's it. treating dilemmas with the same. um, The same severity, like if his wife was pregnant and saying that she wanted something unreasonable on the phone. No, well, come on, honey. Maybe, you know, I can't. <laughs> We I, I we can't put chocolate syrup on the cat and eat it. That's that's ridiculous, <laughs> honey. Well, how how about you know what if we do pizza? Like that's that's the motion that I get off them in these scenes. So again, the Klingons that are supposed to be shoot first, ask questions lever, later, die in the blaze of glory. Them indulging any of this for a moment, let alone when they find out that there's a cloaked fucking vessel riding their tail that has been actively fucking shit up that they don't just blast it into oblivion. Some real stretching going on here. Yeah. The stretch is that they apparently buy a lie from T'Pol that Archer is like this man of honor who has been called a brother by the high counselor and all this other stuff. And they just buy it. And that is supposed them buying it is what allows the circumstance to go through. And it doesn't make any sense. Like why, why would you just buy this? You know, like, is it that you have the specific information about what happened when you brought the guy back and stopped the Civil War? So they decide, like, I don't know, little thin, little weak. But ultimately, the way it works is that uh, the Klingons agree not to destroy them in, in exchange for their holodeck technology. And uh, Trip joins them in, in the uh, adventure so that he could get his uh, his little baby taken out after he gets ritually humiliated by the Klingons. Also, you know. oh, yeah, yeah, that that big part of it is he has to emasculate himself in front of everybody and then go spend three hours in an airlock with them where they Twice. do not knife the, the human. And then they all get over to the ship and the Klingons do not have any of the sort of disorientation nonsense that Trip did the first time, nor does Trip. Luckily, he's he's already acclimated to that. And uh, they go, OK, take us on a tour of technology. I'm going to have to believe what you said that the Klingons already have cloaking technology and that's not why they just didn't impound the ship and go bring it back to Kronos for the uh, warmongering glory to the Empire. But uh, yeah, they they see the holodeck fuck palace and they're like, oh, we need this. 
So everything ends happy. The Klingons apparently like just like, yes, fine. We'll make this trade and then still let you leave and make a very vivid threat to Archer of like, weren't you? You should never want to run into me ever again or I will literally kill you real and- quick. I, I cannot let the stupid line go when they're on the holodeck. Like this is the telemetry data on Kronos. Literally, I can see my house, my house from here. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, great. <laughs> and then they have a dinner scene where Paul's like, "You were the first man to ever be pregnant." And he's like, "Great, that's always what I wanted to be remembered for." But uh, but uh, great, you're gonna be forever remembered for that shower scene where we're both. <laughs> you're gonna be remembered for being in the opener and having being all greased up. Yeah, uh, I you know I think they might have been better off just letting the episode wrap after he comes back from fixing the engines and, and saving us the rest of uh, a prolonged and unnecessary trip through male pregnancy and more buffoonery out of the Klingon empire. The when difference... do the Klingons become like bad guys? Do the Klingons become bad guys? Eh, yeah, kind of. You'll, you'll see. You'll see. It's interesting what they do with them. Because Kirk hated the fucking Klingons, right? I mean, by that point... The big Klingon Federation war does not occur in the timeline of Enterprise. Because that happened after the formation of the Federation. Hmm. So, but they are still a semi-antagonistic force throughout the entirety of Enterprise. But, uh, you know, the big difference to me between an episode like this and an episode from, like, season one of Voyager, like, The Cloud... You know, like this is then this is why I think I'm warm on the show. This is better than the cloud, right? This is better than twisted. This is better than that early Voyager crap. Why? Yeah, like it's a little weird. You know, it's it's odd. They decide to do like a this laugh track. You know, a dude got accidentally pregnant. LOL. I will say that it based on two merits. One is the actor it's focusing on can can provide good scenes and two is at the end of the day i can say at least future events might build off of this and that these aren't just throwaway ship in the bottle episodes that ultimately don't fucking matter a they will matter to future events that this ship is doing and it might get call outs and b you are you know and someone on the trauma support group said that this is a great prequel because they're building first. This is first contact for the Federation with whatever these lizard people are. This is building the future relationship with the Klingons for all of humanity. Um, and that these are events happening that matter in the overall cosmology of Star Trek. And in the end, a C plus is pretty good in a season one of any Star Trek. You know, when you really look at it, an episode where you're walking away like, eh, it wasn't all that great, but it had some fun. It had some interesting ideas and some fun moments and it tied out in the end and it's it was fine. Sure. That's kind of how I would describe it. It's not great. It's not even good. It's a little it's a tiny, tiny bit above the Mendoza line. And that's all I really want to give it. Fair enough. So where are we headed next on this heinous trip, my friend? We're getting into season one, episode six, Terra Nova, uh, in the little thumbnail here, which, by the way, Dick Move pulling uh, Enterprise and Voyager completely off of Prime and uh, hiding it behind the Paramount Plus paywall. Fuck those guys. Uh, We've got a little thumbnail and it's, I'm guessing, another place in Southern California with a little ranch on it. The Enterprise crew alters course to investigate the mystery of Terra Nova a legendary Earth colony whose inhabitants mysteriously disappeared decades ago. But when they arrive, they confront descendants of the colonists called the 37s, <laughs> who have been more alien than Archer could have imagined. Uh, so this is uh, Earth 2 gone wrong, then. is I'm, I'm guessing these are going to be like some hills have eyes, uh, inbred murder hillbillies. You're on the right path there, my friend. <laughs> um, this, this I think, is actually the worst episode of the season. Really? In my opinion, this is this is the one I dislike the most. It's just This boring. is a juicy concept, though. It is a very juicy concept, and I think that's why I disliked it as much, because it's like they really build it up, and then when they pay off, it's like, oh, Oh, Jesus, look at really? that. You're saying it's a shitty episode, and look who's directing it. LeVar Burton. Oh, no, LeVar! <laughs> 
you, you poor son of a bitch. He's got actually a good one in this season, though, too. Uh, uh, things picked up a little bit more after this one, but we got we got one more kind of uh, greasy turd to uh, to to pass before we get there. Well, uh, let's let's see what the lowest low can do for season one of Enterprise in light of all your glowing um, attempts to to wrangle this one out of the shitter. And speaking of wrangling things out of the shitter, if you want to join possibly the best uh, social media group talking about Star Trek today, join the trauma support group. Uh, we're the Vija Please Trauma Support Group. You can find us uh, just by typing in Vija Please into your, uh, your your search bar there on the old Facebooks, or you can reach us at Vija Please at Twitter, at Vija Please at gmail.com if you just want to send an mailbag question or something for us to talk about. And we would always appreciate any time you want to take to share the podcast or leave us a review on the podcast service of your choice. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>